sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. You're waking up at 95.5 WSB. So glad you've joined me on a Saturday morning. Two hours left to go of the show. It's going to be a beautiful weekend, and I know you're itching to get out there. So, yeah, start off by getting some good advice. And if I don't have the answer... I certainly know people that do, or we help each other out. So if you hear a caller and you want to add something in, feel free to call. I love that. I love it being kind of a back and forth, uh, and we're all learning at the same rate. 404-872-0750. So um, online later this weekend, I can't guarantee when, I will share the list of Atlanta area gardens to visit with the um, addition of a couple. Thanks to Mark and Covington for calling to add Barnsley Gardens and of course the State Botanical Garden in Athens. But I had a pretty good list at six o'clock for those of you who missed it. Great many free places to visit to get out this spring. Safely do so with your family. Uh, Daffodils right now, azaleas coming up. There's a lot to see for sure. So I will share that. But what I did share already on the Facebook page as well, was the tropisms. Uh, Walter and I had this discussion back about half an hour ago of why bulbs and plants move the way that they do. I mean, they have so much of a mind of their own and are always going towards sunlight, always going towards water. So the science behind that, pretty fascinating stuff. You can see that when you go to Facebook and search Green and Growing WSB. All right, taking more calls. Is it Lois or Luis in McDonough? Lewis. You are Lewis. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm glad you called. What's your question for me today? Okay. Last uh, year, I had uh, approximately 30 pine trees removed out of my front yard, and I put uh, had it all you know treated and the roots torn up and everything and, and ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I put Bermuda grass down, and it looks so great the last end of the year, but now this year, here come the weeds. And uh, so I started to put down uh, a weed and feed someone told me to do, mm-hmm. but I'm getting contradicting information on whether I should water it before I put it down or a couple of days after or should I water it all? I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, and it, and it does seem sometimes, depending on the brand, you know, in the bag you're you're looking at and the label you're looking at, it does kind of seem to be that way. Um you know, folks who are experts can certainly call and correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. But my understanding is the pre-emergence herbicides that you're using that are most successfully going to eliminate grassy weeds right now that we're applying, um, those definitely need to be watered in. Those pre-emergence chemicals need to be watered in. Um, that's the way it gets underneath the soil surface level where those seeds are hanging out, you know, down in that first inch or two of soil, so the chemicals need to be pushed down by the water to be able to come in contact with those seeds as they're germinating. So in that case, yes, but some of the labels for some of the other weed control products maybe that contain 2,4-D as the active ingredient, and they advertise really combating more of the broadleaf weeds. So some of those are like, you know, a, a post-emergent. I mean, you're going to be going after the dandelions and things you're seeing now. They recommend that you mow to like a normal height first on the label and then apply water one or two days before application just to get that moisture already, you know, in the soil. And then you apply it. But that is a post-emergent, so it's working on the weeds that are already there. So when that chemical comes in contact with the leaves of those weeds, you don't want to then wash it off. So that's why we kind of 
you know, get everything moisturized first, so to speak, and then keep those chemicals on the leaves so they can slowly kind of start to wilt them and fade them away. So that kind of makes sense for what you're after, right? Yeah, yes, it does. Yeah, so I mean, but uh, with a Bermuda lawn, I know you're just pulling your hair out because it's still dormant and all you see is the green weed. So really, you can kind of tell who's been using, you know, herbicides and who hasn't. So what do you have the most of? Do you know? Weed uh, looks like the dandelions. Uh, have a lot of clover that are trying to come up with the dandelions, really, the broadleaf ones are coming up. Uh, and, and do you think anything about having so many pine trees there before? Do I need to adjust the pH? Is a, are the needles making acidic the, the soil? Or I, I can't really speak to that, but I would probably get a soil test if it's a concern. And if you're getting ready to sink a lot of money into that Bermuda lawn and we just want to be sure, a soil test wouldn't hurt. This is a good time of year for it. I don't know if you've ever done one. It's a a little involved, but just the, the larger area of the Bermuda and the lawn we're talking about, go around, dig out maybe six to eight little samples, just different parts here and there, maybe where the pine trees were, maybe then closer to the street where they weren't, and you just end up mixing all of those soil samples together to get a good overview of what's going on with the soil. Oh, okay. And like you're talking Sounds about, great. with the dandelions and the clover, there's a Scott's product. I think it's just weed control for lawns. It's got a very generic name, but it's made by Scott's. That's going to be really good for some of that broadleaf control. 2,4-D is the active ingredient, but that's going to start working on contact with those weeds that you see now. All righty. Thank you so much. Very good. You're well on your way. Thank you so much. I'm glad you called this morning. Yeah, I mean, weeds are like priority number one if you have stuff flowering and blooming and stuff you're not worried about it right now that's great but weeds not something that we want all right up next Lori indicator thank you so much for being patient good morning Lori. good morning how are you i am great what's going on with you listen i want to know is it safe to put my plants out now you know you take your plants in in the fall so I want to know, is it safe to put them out? Are we going to get another frost? You know, so I shared uh, meteorologist Kirk Mellish's spring outlook maybe a week ago. And oh, he I'm was sorry. saying, no, that that's okay, because we're trying to get it out there, because that's top of mind for a lot of folks. So his outlook is really, he said, I wouldn't do any you know, anything really between Easter and tax day just yet. So we're looking like that first and second week of April, you know, Easter is April 4th, tax day, of course, April 15th. There is still a slight chance for a freeze or a frost that certainly happened before. So I would just be a little patient. Now, what I've done, Lori, is kind of uh, meeting in the middle and bringing stuff out during the day. And I literally put a post-it note on the kitchen counter to bring those back in because two nights ago it was still getting down to 37, 36 degrees. So I had to bring back in some sedums and some aloe and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I would slowly start to put things out then bring them back in if the temperatures are going to drop too much. But like tonight and tomorrow, it's only going to get in the 50s. So um, just stay on top of it though, for sure. But as you're bringing things out too, you know, slowly start to introduce them to that sunlight. We don't want to put them out in the harsh, you know, noon, noon sun, um, all day, every day, because that's not really slowly acclimating them back out. So maybe kind of put them a little up against the house or something like that where they're not getting full sun all afternoon. So a few more weeks before I can leave them out. Yeah. Leave them outside. Yeah, okay. most gardeners are sitting out there going, tax day, April 15th. You know, that seems to be good. We start thinking about planting tomatoes and all of the things we want to bring back outdoors. So yeah, wait just a little bit longer. But it's certainly not going to hurt for them to, you know, be outside part time. 
Okay, thank you very much. All right, Thanks. you're welcome, Lori. Thanks for the call. 404-872-0750. David and Tucker, good morning. Good morning. What's up with you uh, today, dude? Yeah. Well, um, got a few little things on parks and uh, something I'm doing with Dahlia's this year. Yeah, okay. Um, well, on the Smith-Gilbert, they have, I believe the term's avarium, uh, butterfly avarium, yeah. uh, whatever that term is. I just wanted to put that further detail in there. And uh, I'm not sure how accessible they are now, but uh, Fernbank Science Center has a nature walk with their forests. And now say that, say that one again. Fernbank Science oh, Center. Oh, Fernbank, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, that's great, yeah. Uh, um, and just to drop in uh, during the summer, uh, Tucker Recreation Center has a butterfly garden. You know, it's not not anything elaborate, but, you know, if you're going down La Vista Road, it's right there in Tucker. So okay, okay. pop right. in and I'm see how that goes. I'm that one down, right off La Vista? Yep. Okay. And um, uh, on the dahlias, uh, since you have to rescue them every fall, I decided I'm going to just put them in big flower pots so I can pull them out more easily than have to dig in the dirt. And uh, they need to be well-drained anyway, so I figure... Uh, that seems to fit all the criteria. What do you think of that? Absolutely. I think that is such a good, you know, we, we learn by experience and we kind of learn what we, you know, succeed at. And then by the same token, learn what we fail at. So if you forget to, you know, take winter care or something like that, you're going to learn real quick. So making it easier on yourself. Absolutely. Why not? I mean, not everything has to be planted in the ground to survive and thrive for sure. As long as you've got really good soil and containers and you're kind of moving the containers around as necessary. I think that's a great idea. Have you had good luck with dahlias? I uh, haven't really dealt with them too much because, uh, it, you know, exactly what their nature was was kind of a mysterious thing. Everyone was telling me different things, and it finally turned out, I think the consensus was they're tender perennials. Mm-hmm. So better better to rescue them in the fall and uh, play it safe rather than having to get new bulbs every spring. Yeah, in the fall, really thinking about digging those up and digging up caladiums, which some years I've stored caladiums with some success and some years I just haven't, but stored in more of a warm spot rather than cool. So if the garage and, of course, the carport get really, really cold, that's probably not going to be best. But just, you know, keeping everything dry, stored in somewhat warm weather, you know, bringing it back out in April is going to be, you're going to have a lot of success there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All righty. Uh, David, thank you so much, and I appreciate the Tucker Butterfly Garden off La Vista. I'm definitely adding that to the list. David knows Tucker like the back of his hand, folks. He's been there a long, long time. All right, we're going to talk to Howard and McDonough in just a minute. He wants to talk about azaleas, and I know you all love azaleas, so that's going to be a great question. But we'll be right back on Green and Growing. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. It's a juggling act in here, folks. I'm doing a lot of things at once, but I want to have the uh, the best information up on the Facebook page, talking to John and Jason, looking at the calls coming up, and getting a few very nice text messages this morning. I appreciate that. Uh, 404-872-0750 here until 9 o'clock on Green and Growing. Finley Roofing sponsors the weather update today. Mostly cloudy to partly cloudy, unseasonably warm yet again. Love that. Don't wear a sweater. 
Don't get caught off guard. It's going to get up to the mid-70s. Lows only around 52, so that's kind of what we want to pay attention to. And I was just talking to Lori about bringing plants in and out. We want to make sure it's not going to get down close to freezing, but there's still a chance. So you just always have to pay attention. Tomorrow, partly cloudy. It's going to reach almost 80 degrees in parts of metro Atlanta and lows in the mid-50s. And then the rain returns, hopefully not until after morning drive on Monday, maybe for your ride home from work or school Monday afternoon. All right, more great calls up next. Howard and McDonough. Good morning, Howard. Good morning, Ashley. How are you, young lady? I am, <laughs> I am so great. How are you? I am well. Um, quick question or two about my azaleas. All right. The Encore azaleas last spring were just fabulous, and I like to make sure that that happens again this spring. Um, what Any certain type of uh, fertilizer that I should use? You know, Pike's got one that's um, like an acid-loving um, Dr. Earth, like acid-loving fertilizer, and I use that on the azaleas, the rhododendrons. It works really, really well, very easy to apply. And, I mean, I'm I'm very much a visual person, so if the plant is on the front of the bag, then I know I can use it on that plant. Um, and it's just kind of right in my face on my garden bench, so that's probably what I would recommend. Okay, that's wonderful. Now yeah. I have two types. I have the encores. Also, and forgive me for not knowing the term... They're the petite or the very small azaleas. Uh-huh. Now, they have not done so well the last two years. Last spring was their first full spring, and very, very few blooms and, you know, not really a green leafy azalea. Anything, any suggestions there? Are they planted anywhere differently than the, you know, regular size azaleas <laughs> that you do have success with? They're, I mean, the landscaping was done in the summer of 19, 2019. Okay. And the soil's good. It's about the same everywhere. Uh, And I can't figure that out, why the encores are really, really taking off and the smaller uh, azaleas are not. You know, and and I I don't want to question the folks at Encore because they, they put out wonderful azaleas, of course, and they've done years and years of the research and the lab work and all of that. But I just wonder if maybe some of these dwarf varieties really haven't been substantiated as well, you know, and they just don't, um, they're not as prolific, but it could be environmental too. Um, so, you know, make sure that when you first establish those things, I mean, they've been established three years now, but that the soil depth is correct and the, you know, clay is broken up really well and all of that. But fertilizer certainly not going to hurt, Howard. That's definitely going to invigorate the plant. Now's the time for it. So do a light application across all azaleas with that and see if that's going to help boost it a little bit and keep it watered. Thanks for the call. Got to take a break. Go to the news and then we'll be back to green and growing on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. A lot of great questions coming from all of you this morning. Keep them rolling in. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Green and Growing. I'm Ashley Frasca. You recognize my voice maybe from the show by now. It's been over a year, but uh, triple team traffic in the morning. When you're driving into work Monday through Friday, Mark Aram, Mark McKay, myself on from 4.30 to 9 o'clock trying to help you navigate. And I just had family come uh, come up from Florida, drive up from Florida, 
and they were just unnerved. They're like, not again. We're, we're not making a road trip again. Atlanta traffic is crazy. So I guess we're all just kind of immune to it. But yeah, I feel bad for people passing through it. It can be a little unnerving for sure. But gardening, that should not be. Gardening should be easy. Gardening should be fun. And that's why we're here to uh, help each other out, especially this time of year. Y'all have had great questions. So like I said, keep them coming. 404-872-0750. And just a couple of things I've covered already. I threw out something about pine siskins and a salmonella outbreak in the Georgia Audubon Society getting a little ahead of that. You know, they've had people um, write in and, and have some concerns about how they can spread salmonella. And there's just so many darn pine siskins. They travel in such large numbers and they are just passing through. They migrate here for the winter and then they just keep on moving. So they're eating you out of house and home. But I'm glad that um, Michael emailed me about that and just was like, hey, what what bird was that again that you were mentioning? Because uh, it is some concern. I mean, with, with the salmonella outbreak and those birds traveling in large groups can spread it very easily. And there are good pictures online where you can actually see, you know, if you stop and watch them at your feeders, a healthy pine siskin, little tips of black and yellow on his wings versus one that's a little puffier, uh, his feathers are a little more ruffled and just looks kind of lethargic. You'll be able to tell um, which ones are affected and which ones aren't. And also talking about uh, black ants. I think I had someone ask me, tiny black ants. Yeah, Calvin, in a raised bed and in large planters. And can he move them out? So, yeah, they're in that soil and they're really a little bit of a nuisance. What they're kind of after is one of the main things. I mean, insects that are there leave behind honeydew, what we know is sooty mold that becomes the black stuff on your leaves and things of your plants. So thereafter that, they take that back to the queen. Um, one recommendation really for ants and soil is just flooding them out. So it depends on what, what you've got in there. Obviously, you don't want to flood a plant out that you've got planted there, but really just applying a lot of water and just kind of washing them out of the soil. So again, a lot of good questions. We're going to get right back to it on the phones. Up next is Jerry in Snellville. Hey, good morning, Jerry. Thanks for calling. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. What you got going on? Um, I don't know. A mess, but <laughs> I'm, I'm trying and it's working so far. Uh, I've got about um, uh, 47 uh, food grade uh, five gallon buckets we purchased. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, we've got uh, a variety of uh, garden seeds that we started on March 1st. And um, I'm really surprised because the package said that uh, it'd be four to six weeks germination on these. And within eight to nine days, they're all up out of the dirt. <laughs> wow. Okay, great. Um, so it's pretty much like peas, beans, carrots, onions, spinach, tomatoes, sweet peppers, and uh, I haven't done the potatoes. But uh, um, in any case, I was just wondering about the spacing in a bucket, like uh, how many of a particular plant or, or, you know, I can just as a standard, maybe two or three in each bucket or and these are just five-gallon buckets, like almost like a sheetrock bucket type size, right? Right. I just tried to do it after seeing some YouTube videos. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, I was like, well, that's pretty impressive because uh, I was worried about our, our, our garden area that we had in the front because it's had so much, so many years of colored pine nuggets in there. I just didn't want to put it in that dirt. So uh, I pretty much picked up a, a perlite, vermiculite, peat, peat moss compressed, and a potting soil mix, and black powder mix them all together is what I saw. and uh, But that's pretty expensive. You know, I, I didn't know how much of that I need in each bucket also, of, you know, how, how big the roots get on any of these items. Yeah, and if you start off with really good soil, I mean, that's that's going to be, you know, 80% of your, your deal right there. I'm not 
a big fan of buying cheaper soil and then having to spend all that money on all these amendments and things like that. So a good base, right. a good soil is number one for sure. But, you know, it really depends on the crop, Jerry, because you've got to think, you know, like tomatoes are going to have a little bit deeper of a root system. Um, so you don't want to put more than one tomato in a five-gallon bucket because that's going to be competing for moisture and nutrients in the soil and that kind of thing. And they get so tall that the leaves okay. are just going to constantly keep staying up against one another if you had, say, two two tomato plants in one bucket, and that's going to cause poor airflow and, you know, the leaves okay. not drying out as they need to with poor air circulation, and that's going to lead to uh, tomatoes are already so susceptible to diseases and things like that. But I would only do yeah. one tomato plant per bucket, but I don't okay. know enough about the root system on some of the other things, like the beans and stuff that you're doing. Um, if, if the root systems stay a little more shallow and the plant mm-hmm. stays a little more compact, I would think no more than three, just depending on what you got going. Um, right. But everything needs that good airflow and that good air circulation. So you don't, you know, like as you're planting bedding plants and flowers, those look nice all clustered together and huddled together for, for sure. all of that continuous color. But for, for the edible gardens, we, we really don't want that because they need their space. Um, so, okay. kind of, I mean, kind of experiment with it, but I really would maybe just start with two per bucket and see how that goes. And then what are you doing as far as watering and all of that? Are you staying on top of that? Uh, well, I haven't transplanted anything in the buckets. They're mm-hmm. still under grow lights. So yep. I was just concerned because the, uh, the peas and the beans are about three to four inches tall wow. just for March 1st. Yeah, that's incredible. Think, so you're giving them a great amount of light. Are you doing 10 to 12 hours a day? Yeah, I, I purchased uh, two four-foot uh, um, red and blue spectrum uh, grow lights and mm-hmm. then four or three uh, two-foot um, uh, just regular shop lights. And uh, but yeah, I, I have it on a timer and stuff, so uh, so they uh, they're on for twelve hours for the. Uh, I had it on a blue lights, and uh, uh, the best I was able to understand was like you switch it to the red light once they start getting leaves on them. So yeah, I've I've read mixed mixed reviews on that. Some people just use shop lights or fluorescents the whole time. But whatever you're yeah. doing, you're definitely having great success with. I would never do less than ten hours of light. Obviously, yeah, you're, you're right on with twelve, and a timer is great too. But and remember that hardening off process too, where you yep. know once they really have more than just the the initial two leaves, once they start having more leaves than that, then you definitely want to start slowly bringing them outside for a few hours a day, not in the bright sun but just having them withstand that heat and withstand that bright sunlight before you actually full-on move them outside 100% of the time. I'm so glad you said that because I had no idea what hardening them off meant. Yeah, so hardening <laughs> off, just kind of acclimating them to the outdoors. And I think that step is so important, and it's overlooked by a lot of gardeners because of you know really bringing them out to the real outdoor environmental conditions that they have not experienced inside you know i mean they they haven't had wind they haven't had rain they haven't had bright sunlight so yeah i mean doing that if you've got a table or a ledge or something on the back deck or the back patio that you can just again it's it's kind of tricky because you don't want to forget and leave them out but just having them out a few hours a day and then slowly increasing that that's going to be good i couldn't really say for sure how i did it last year the hardening off process i mean at least for maybe a couple of weeks but really it shouldn't need much more than that if they're pretty sturdy okay. well you know what i don't know after this mixture is all combined like i said the perlite vermiculite peat moss mm-hmm. potting soil and black cow how heavy that bucket will be but uh it doesn't need to be pretty much uh, like i said because that's a pretty expensive mixture yes <laughs> but, it is, but you've sure got all grow, the so. great stuff i mean that is that is terrific stuff it sounds like a a nice place to live but what are what are you concerned with how how heavy the buckets are going to be then? 
Well, that and, uh, um, you know, I've, I've always been uh, aware of, like, April 14th to save time to uh, have, you know, your, you know, stuff outside, but because uh, I'd hate to move 47 buckets inside. <laughs> no kidding. I know. Yeah, so, I mean, April 15th, I'm not saying is the, the hard and fast drop-dead date that's going to be safe, but, you know, according to the meteorologists and the, and the models that they're looking at, you know, I mean, that definitely should be safe by then. Okay. Oh, fingers crossed. Well, wow, you've got a lot of work ahead of you, but you're already off to a great start, Jerry. I'm really glad you called. Will you kind of report back throughout the summer and let me know how everything's going? Sure. And tell me again, beans and what else? Uh, peas, beans, carrots, onions, spinach, wow. tomatoes, sweet peppers, and I haven't done potatoes, but... Uh, I've got some that I didn't start yet because I ran out of room under the grow light. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I started off the show by reminding folks Walter always had this thing that he would share about this time every year in March about growing potatoes in perlite. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, just just perlite. You don't need any other soil mix or anything like that. And getting just a small container, even a Rubbermaid container. I had a clear one, um, just a shallow, clear Rubbermaid container full of perlite. And that was a little expensive to get started, but just popping those potatoes in the perlite, make sure it's got drainage holes. And I mean, they, they yeah. were happy as could be. So that's kind of something different to do huh. with the potatoes if you want. Yeah, I'll have to try that. Yeah, go to um, WalterReeves.com. Go to his website and just type perlite maybe. And one of the first articles that'll come up is is the step-by-step of the potatoes there. But yeah, just doing, I mean, you've already got everything going in one direction and just Maybe try some perlite and uh, do something a little different. See how it turns out. I'm glad you called, Jerry. Thank you very much. Good luck. Up next, out to Athens. Talk to Paula. Good morning, Paula. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Hey. I had a flower, a small flower bed for the past three or four years that I have had um, perennials in, like vinca, um, evening primrose, um, sweet williams that come back um, real they flourish. I just, I don't have to do anything. But this this year, my lawn service sprayed weed killers because uh. there were some weeds coming up in there. Now, what do I do about how long should I wait and how should I get it ready? Because um, I, I, I guess they killed all the, you know, the other seeds along with the weeds that were coming. Now, it depends on, on what perennials you've got. You know, if you've got things that are coming up from bulbs or tubers, I think as long as there was not a lot of foliage above the ground, I think those are probably going to be okay. Um, it, they, it was not, it was like evening primrose and sweet williams and uh, dianthus, vinca. Yeah, the dianthus you still see above ground, right? I mean, mine have never really yes. gone away. Yeah. What Do you know what they sprayed? I don't. Oh. Oh. Um, I, I just know it was a weed killer because everything's turning yellow now. Gosh, uh, and I wish you had known, too, because, I mean, you had a chance, maybe a slight chance of being able to, you know, wash a lot of it off right after they left, had we known, and trying to remove mm-hmm. some of the trace chemical on there. But, oh, my gosh. Oh. So how do I get rid of it, the the chemical now to where... I mean, I'd like to try to. Yeah, I, I really wish. It. I really wish I knew what they used. You know, if it was. Uh, God, I'm just trying to wrap my head around that because I don't want to give you bad news that everything's a total loss. I don't think it is, um, yeah. but you are. So, you know, I, watering at this point is probably going to be the best thing you can try to do. Um, how long ago did they do it? About two weeks ago. Oh gosh, Paula! Oh, I hate that! <laughs> I hate that! Just. 
honestly, keep everything watered. I mean, some things may be a little stressed right now, too, because it's been about eight days since we've had a good rain. Um, so I don't know. Just make sure everything stays watered consistently, not waterlogged, but just a, a very consistent watering regimen. And uh, I wouldn't fertilize or anything right now because that's going to maybe send the wrong signals to something that's trying to recover. That's probably the best you can do right now and just see what comes up, see what comes okay. back. Um, cut back some of the dead stuff that you absolutely know is dead too on the dianthus. I mean, you know, anything that's just hanging on is just taking energy away from the parts of the plant that really want to succeed. So try to cut back lightly some of the dead things and see if that'll help aid the stuff that's still hanging in. How soon do you think I could put new plants out there? It to, it, it just really to... depends because if they put a pre-emergent that's something that is living in the ground, you don't mm -hmm. want to do any anything from seed okay. right now. But if you want to put established plants, you're fine yes. to do that. Yeah, you're fine to totally totally do that. That's that's absolutely fine. A lot of that's already going to be leached out of the soil after two weeks. Okay. Um, so as long as it wasn't a pre-emergence herbicide, then you're fine to do plants now. The evening primrose, you just wouldn't believe how it took over. It, it was just beautiful. You know, I just, it just I made planted, me sick. <laughs> yeah, I planted primrose uh, in a couple of my containers, but evening primrose I'm not as familiar with, so I'm having, having to look it up. Oh, that is pretty. Mm -hmm. Oh, fingers crossed, Paula. I'm so sorry. It's just now kind of coming coming to that. But, um, yeah, try try watering. Don't hesitate, though, with what you want to add now. Go ahead and do that without hesitation. And talk to the lawn care people. Yeah, I'd <laughs> wag my finger at them a little bit. I certainly would because they yes. need to know, you know, unless you're out there with them, I guess, giving them the walkthrough of, look, I've got perennials in this bed. Don't get near this bed. But sometimes we're not always home and they come through and they, they just need to be a little more cautious where they're spraying, what they're spraying around. Good luck, Paula. I really, really hope all that works out. That breaks my heart. I'm at a loss. I I wish I could predict the future and tell you it's going to be okay, but I don't know. Um, all right, going to step out and take a break. We do <clears throat> have to check traffic, but we'll be back with Rhonda and Buford, Greg and Winston, and Chris and Conyers. <clears throat> You're listening to WSB. It is. It's all right. If you're riding around, I hope you're not stuck in traffic. If you're sitting at home drinking coffee, I will join you in just a couple of hours. I kind of have a late start to my Saturday. I talk so much, I don't finish even one cup of coffee, but then I get home and I make up for it after 9 o'clock. So thank you for being here. Thanks for listening to Green and Growing. Finley uh, Roofing sponsors the weather update here, mostly to partly cloudy today. Highs in the mid-70s. Tomorrow, highs are going to get near 80 degrees in most of metro Atlanta and lows only dipping down to around the mid-50s. But rain returns hopefully later in the day on Monday rather than the start to your work week. So keep it here for our meteorologist, Kirk Mellish, to give you those updates. And if you haven't, go on WSBRadio.com, click on Weather, and then read his uh, Spring Outlook weather blog because it was fantastic, just as gardeners, knowing what to expect, knowing how to anticipate things. Um, lots of good calls, so I think we're going to roll with it in 8 o'clock. Chris, question about Bermuda grass. Greg, I want to talk to him about pruning back oak leaf hydrangeas, limelight. Alan in Fayetteville talking about weeds in his Bermuda. My gosh, they're everywhere. And Rhonda and Buford, a blue atlas cedar, I think. Good or not to plant in Blairsville. So all of that and your garden questions too, 404-872-0750 right here to WSB. Maybe somewhere down the road.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.